On today's show, a lot of heartburn over the proposed food tax increase. And the question, censure over impeachment. Representative Ben McAdams is on the censure train. Tune in Monday through Thursday, 9 to 11 for Dave and Dijanovic. I spent my college days throwing perfect passes and trash-talking BYU. And I spent my college career smashing Utah Utes' faces into the mud. I'm Jason Buck. And I'm Scott Mitchell. After our careers in the NFL, we still talk trash. But mostly to each other on our podcast, Rivals. We talk all things football, college, and NFL. A little bit about life and growing up rivals. Download it each week wherever you get your podcasts or on the KSL Sports app. Go Cougs! And go Utes! Jay Davis, founder of Creatively, and we have got Rick Farman, co-founder of Superfly. Rick, thanks for making time. Hey, great to be here. Thanks for having me. So, uh, for people who aren't familiar with Superfly, um, can you can you talk to people about what, kind of what you've done over the last twenty three years? And and again, for people who maybe don't know Bonnaroo, which there's probably probably at least two people who haven't heard of it, right? So, just just give us a bit of the uh, the <laughs> the twenty years and twenty seconds version of <laughs> Rick Farman. Sure. So, um, you know, Superfly is an experience company uh, that has two main things that we do. Um, we create and operate our own experiences, and we help brands and the brand community develop meaningful marketing uh, initiatives, a lot of which are experience-based, but also uh, include a lot of uh, content and, you know, traditional uh, marketing techniques. Um and it all ladders up to a mission of uh, creating experiences that impact people's lives in a positive way. Um, that's really what we hope to achieve with all of the things that we do, that we bring people together around art and culture, and hopefully that inspires them to uh, be more empathetic, uh, to um, connect more with uh, other humans and, and do good in the world. Um, the, the story for us is that we started uh, in New Orleans, and me and my co-founders were all really inspired by the way that um, culture and art is really uh, part of life in New Orleans in a way that maybe is different places where it's something you do for uh, entertainment. Um, art and culture was just so integral to sort of the daily being of living in that city and being a part of that community. And that inspired us 
to uh, start putting on events. Um, and the early uh, genesis of it was putting on events during Mardi Gras and Jazz Fest time. Um, from there, being ambitious uh, guys, we um, decided we wanted to transcend just a regular promoter model of doing concerts and venues um, to really creating our own world, our own uh, universe of uh, an event. And that led us to create Bonnaroo. And, Bonnaroo is um, just finished its 18th year. It is held on a 700-acre farm about 60 miles south of Nashville, Tennessee. Um, it is uh, a music and arts event uh, that everybody lives at for four days. Um, and uh, it, it, as well as having sort of some of the biggest names in entertainment and music on the stages, it also has a really robust, uh, community experience with everybody living there, art, uh, visual art, uh, comedy, culinary arts, um, all sorts of different entertainment spread throughout this 700-acre uh, farm. Um, and it has a, a base core set of, uh, sort of principles, a code, uh, by which everybody who comes sort of shows up. And, and those are Fundamental things like radiating positivity and leaving no trace and you know, generally just treating each other well. Um, it, it has been one of the events that has sort of transformed in many ways the traditional concert business. It was at the early edge of um, the sort of American new festival uh, explosion, um, you know, similar formed around the time as uh, Coachella and Austin City Limits and, and things like that, and in a lot of ways taking inspiration from things like the New Orleans Jazz and Heritage Festival and from a lot of the big European festivals like Glastonbury and Roskilde and, and others. Um, so that, that, that sort of was our kind of first big thing that transformed us from a you know, very small business into sort of more of a real day-to-day um, you know, uh, company, so to speak. Um, and then from there, we've gone on and created a lot of other experiences. Uh, probably the other one we're most known for is an event called Outside Lands that happens in San Francisco's Golden Gate Park. Just finished our 12th year of that. And it's got a very similar ethos to Bonnaroo, except rather than it being a thing that you have to go live at, it's an urban event that you know everybody goes home at night or stays in a hotel or an Airbnb. Um, and it's really a celebration of everything about Bay Area culture. Um, so music, food, visual art, comedy, um, tech uh, is really sort of all part of what that event is about. Uh, it's, it's sort of a gourmet festival in many ways. Uh, we serve uh, something like 100 different types of wine, 50 different types of beer, um, we this year had the first ever uh, sales and consumption of cannabis uh, on site. Uh, it's the first time really a major festival globally has ever done that. Um, we also own a comedy festival in partnership with uh, Comedy Central and Viacom called Cluster Fest. That's really kind of the premier comedy event in, in the country. Um, and, uh, you know, similarly to our other events, really kind of about bringing together the whole comedy ecosystem. Um, and a big part of that is also uh, really activating a lot of uh, IP um, that is out there in the media world. So this year, for instance, we had a big experience around The Office, the television show The Office. 
Um, in the past, we've had experiences around Seinfeld and Always Sunny is Philadelphia and, um, you know, Arrested uh, Development and, and a whole bunch of others. And that has actually led to another line of business that we have, um, which is a location-based business um, around uh, bringing IP to life for, you know, cool walkthrough experiences. We just launched one in New York City with the Friends brand, the Friends television show. That was a huge success. Um, and we've got a bunch of other things that uh, sort of we're working with media companies to, to create similar real-world experiences around their media uh, IP that has, you know, large fan bases. Um, so that's kind of like the story of that business. And then the agency business is, you know, as I mentioned, really about helping brands, um, you know, do thoughtful marketing. When we uh, started Bonnaroo, one of the things that we were – um, sort of going against in many ways was how sponsorships were being slapped on to concerts and events in a really unthoughtful way. And as, as consumers ourselves of a lot of that stuff, we realized that there was a better way to do it. And it really started with the concept of, you know, what's in it for the fan when a sponsor shows up at an event. And so we sort of brought that whole philosophy of trying to figure out how to make the opportunity for brands and businesses and fans all be a win proposition for everybody. Um, and so as we sit down with brands in, the, in the, that space that we're looking for ways to reach customers in creative and in ways that sort of are connected to culture, we always kind of start there, which is what are your brand values? What, it, what do you want uh, people to feel about your brand and the, the whole identity of it? And we try and create lots of different ways for that to be, um, you know, created directly with a consumer. That could be an event. That can be a social media campaign. That could be a piece of content. It all really starts with strategy, you know, in terms of like how we can draw out the values of a of a brand, of their product, of their service, and and make it uh, really uh, tactile and 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 present for uh, the consumers they're trying to reach. Um, and we feel that sort of, again, ladders up to this mission of just making experiences create value for people and enhance their lives. Yeah. Um, that's what we do. That's amazing. As you, as you look back, I think it's easy for people to maybe think that, um, you know, especially for people who are looking at trying to create something of their own, uh, that this was, a, was an easy process or an easy road. But as you look back now and you've created all these events that have had these huge impacts on culture, on business. Um, what would you say to someone who's, who's trying to decide, is this the idea that I should go after? Is this the idea I should pursue? If you look back at 2001, 2000, when, it, when you were kind of ideating and coming up with this concept, what do you think were the things that kind of stood out to you that now looking back, you're like, that was the clue to me that this was worth diving into and pursuing? Yeah, so I'll, I'll speak first to sort of that um, thing that happened with us in the early years and uh, can also reference sort of how I think about it today being a more mature uh, business person or in a more mature point in my career. Um, early on and to some degree today, uh, you know, it's really about do you as – are you the customer? You know, can you actually put yourself in the shoes of the – sort of target, you know, is it visceral for you? For us, it was extremely direct 
you know, we, we were fans of the things that we were producing. You know, I often say, like, if somebody else had created Bonnaroo or Outside Lands, me and my partners would have been the first people there. And in many ways, we were. We, we went to the first Coachella as customers. Um, you know, we were already in the industry a bit, but when we saw that thing come out, we were like, wow, that, that's amazing. And we'd always looked at the European festivals that had been going on for many decades with great reverence and wish we could go to those things. And so when one popped up that was similar in America, um, not only was it something we wanted to go to, but, uh, you know, in some at least subliminal ways, it was, wow, we, we could do this too. These guys are doing it. And so I, I think that actual viscerality of like, really being the target for your product or service, there's nothing really that's a substitute for that at the end of the day, right? If, if you can um, create something that is needed in the world that doesn't exist or that doesn't exist in your location or that doesn't exist in the form that, you know, you would want to experience it, then, you know, usually um, that's a good path. Obviously, you have to validate that other people feel the same way and understand kind of what the size of that potential market is. Um, but starting from that point is really crucial. And most great um, you know, entrepreneurs uh, that I have met, you know, all have that sort of tinge them, even if it's something that's, you know, not as fun and exciting as sort of a, an event or a concert or something like that, but it's something they see a, a need for in the world uh, applicable to their own lives, their own business lives. Um, the second part is really as I've matured as a business person and have you know, been fortunate enough to hire a lot of people and put people in positions to create things. And I'm also uh, an investor in uh, somewhere around 15, 20 different types of businesses. Um, you know, it's also about finding people who have that same vision and conviction, right? If you're not somebody that has that vision and conviction, but you can find somebody that does, that you believe in, that you can understand why you would feel that way, then that's also a pathway to um, figuring out where a business opportunity is. Well, you know, I'd love to talk about that for just a second. You know, going from starting businesses to investing in businesses, um, you know, certainly that's that's been my path of, you know, starting and failing at a bunch of companies and then eventually uh, making money and, and running, our, running our own fund, you know. Um, and I was looking on your LinkedIn, and uh, I saw that uh, you're an investor in Liquid Death Mountain Water. And Jay and I recently had on uh, David Littlejohn from the Tennessee agency called Humanot. And I guess it's one of his employees that quit and started that. And so we're big fans of that. Can, can you talk about, for people who don't know what it is, can you give like just the, the super quick what it is and then why you chose to get behind that one? Yeah, sure. Uh, so Liquid Death is essentially a water company, right? They're selling water. Um, but really what it's about is creating a brand um, that markets healthy lifestyle in a way that's maybe 180 degrees from the typical way products like that are marketed. Um, you know, the, typically I think that, you know, healthy lifestyle products are marketed in kind of a soft, you know, clean, very, um, you know, sort of, uh, um, you know, open way, right? And, and I think that, um, you know, what, what these guys felt from the onset is that wasn't them. They were more, you know, straight edge, rock and roller, 
kind of people, and they didn't feel that any of the sort of typical health and wellness products were speaking to them and their community. And so they decided um, to create a brand called Liquid Death, and you know all the marketing is really kind of um, you know obliterate your thirst, and it's, it's kind of aggressive in a sense. Now it's tongue in cheek a little bit too. They're they're not being ultra serious. They're just sort of playing the brand game as though, you know, it's, it's a juxtaposition to a lot of things typical in that space. And, you know, as somebody who's developed a, a bunch of brands, um, you know, at Superfly, um, you know, just the ethos and the sort of thought process behind going for that kind of thing was really appealing to me. If you, if you look at sort of the water market, I mean, the products are, the product itself is pretty much the same. Yeah, maybe there's some things that taste a little different than this or that, um, you know, but ultimately it's about the packaging, it's about the story. And I just feel like these, these guys sort of had something unique there in that regard. And also, you know, I'm a huge um, supporter of uh, the anti-plastic movement. Um, you know, my, my wife is in, very involved in a, uh, organization called the Plastic Pollution Coalition and suggest everybody go check it out if they're interested in uh, supporting that cause. And these guys also do, you know, have an ethos there. You know, it's all aluminum cans. They're not doing anything in plastic. A lot of their messaging is, is sort of, a, you know, correlated to the problem of plastic pollution. Um, well, and, and, it's, so, and it's um, so funny, right? Like, Jay and I were just talking to the head designer from Stamp Socks, and he put he put a can in his like eight year old daughter's uh, lunchbox, which looks like a big Corona or Tall Boy, right? And the teacher freaked out at first, thinking she brought a beer to school, and uh, <laughs> that's just funny, right? Yeah, there's no doubt. I mean, it's it's very like good natured in all of that, and I think that was even one of the the sort of concepts behind it is you know, these guys were you know people would be out at bars a lot but didn't drink and you know they didn't want to they wanted something in their hands that sort of kind of made them sort of feel socially comfortable in that regard um and then i think it sort of evolved as you're talking about there's just so much fun you could have with it it's almost you know like kind of like south park-esque in its sort of irreverence and it's um you know like the, the comicalness of it. And, uh, you know, I think they're doing a fantastic job of sort of just, you know, creating a brand that is both uh, serious and not serious at the same well, time. And, and can I talk about this? Because, uh, like, Jay and I are total converts. Like, we, we just think neither of us drink. We think it's a great idea, right? But my question for you to add on to it, and thank you for describing it so well, but, you know, with the success of Bonner, I mean, you look at all these years of 70,000 fans, 80,000, 100,000 people showing up, like people probably hit you up for money. <laughs> and so my question is, there's so many thousands of good ideas out there. How did you come to the conclusion? Not only is this a good idea, I think it's going to be a good business. And I think it's good enough to actually put my own money in. Um, so truthfully, I am more of a opportunistic and strategic investor. Um, not to say there's no strategy, um, but, you know, generally when I invest in something, um, it's because there's a relationship with somebody that I know and it's come to me and the concept makes sense uh, to me and my, my business partner, Rich, who we have basically co-invested in all this stuff together. 
Um, you know, so if one of us has a relationship with somebody and an idea comes and we can kind of rationalize the concept behind the idea and we like the people, um, then that's, that's really, you know, what, what makes it happen. Um, this is a thing we do on our side. We spend very little time on it. You know, we're focused on running Superfly and all of the responsibilities we have to that business. Um, but when we can do things that, um, you know, help grow our network and help give us insights into, um, you know, the world of, of commerce and culture and, um, you know, where it's fun, um, you know, and maybe there's an opportunity for, you know, there to be some synergies with Superfly. Um, those are the boxes that we usually look to check uh, around uh, these personal investments. Yeah, that's awesome. Super great brand. That's a that's a killer one. Um, as you guys have been building uh, Bonnaroo, what's what's kind of the next the next step? As you guys have been developing, uh, what are these other things? Is it building more festivals? Is it is it um, spreading out in that way? Is it another way? What what are the things that are kind of next in the on the horizon? Well, you know, we're at a great time in our business and that we've sort of established this amazing foundation. And at the same time, um, there's all sorts of new opportunities for us. And um, actually, we have spent a lot of time for Superfly really thinking about the strategy and, um, you know, how we orientate to where the world of, of culture and commerce is. And um, it's really sort of couple things, um, you know, on the agency side, we continue to just want to find clients that we can go deeper and deeper with and really help them develop, um, you know, holistic marketing campaigns and have long-term relationships with. And in, in many times it's also, um, you know, joining up with media companies who have uh, valuable IP and need people like us to help them figure out how to bring that into the live and experience space. And on the uh, owned and operated part of the business, um, you know, yes, there are more opportunities for us to create large scale events. Uh, frankly, the music festival market has, you know, fragmented a lot and there's a lot out there. And so, you know, we're, um, you know, really in a process of, thinking about a bit of how to reinvent our uh, orientation to that space and, and thinking really broadly about how music in general just can manifest in experiences, um, regardless of, of format or location. Um, and, you know, th this new line of business that we've opened, you know, on the location-based side is really exciting to us. Um, you know, it, it connects to what I just said about, you know, helping brands uh, you know, recognize um, opportunities with their IP. Um, you know, there's a whole ton of amazing IP out there that, um, you know, is primed to live in people's lives in a more visceral, more tactile way. And so, um, you know, we're, we're really focused on, um, you know, creating great experiences like we just did with friends uh, in, in that bucket. And then, you know, I think more broadly, you know, we recognize that our skill set is uh, around creating uh, brands that um, you know, consumers really connect with and care about, um, that inspires artists 
to um, get out of their comfort zone and to create. We really look at ourselves as producers in many ways. Um, and, um, you know, in that regard, there's a whole lot of opportunities for us, whether that be, you know, creating, uh, you know, content. Uh, we're really interested in sort of the virtual uh, event and, and general world of virtual entertainment. Um, and, you know, also uh, really interested in uh, opportunities um, around real estate because that whole business, particularly the commercial real estate world, um, has really shifted and evolved with, you know, uh, so much of retail going online um, that there is even a greater need for that industry to uh, have experience-based content um, within, uh, you know, developments that uh, are looking to, you know, attract, you know, consumers at volume. And so those are all areas um, that we're in a period of uh, exploration on. And, you know, some things are more evolved than others. Some things we've already launched, some things we'll be launching. But um, very gratifying to be at a place where, uh, we built this foundation and, and now um, can really explore how to uh, take the core skill set that we have, um, the amazing team that we have, and apply it to some other formats uh, and to some other areas. You know, we, we maybe a blessing and a curse. We don't like to stand still. We don't like to do the same thing over and over again. Um, we like to be... Uh, you know, working on things that are innovative and that are pushing the envelope of, uh, you know, culture and arts. And so, so yeah. you know, those are well, things we gravitate toward. I'm thinking about all this, and I and maybe this is a good part to, this is a good question to end part one with. Um, but, you know, for so many other folks listening to this who, you know, haven't done business with Metallica and U2 and the biggest names in the world and, uh, you know, don't have Citigroup and Google as clients, Right. And they're trying to think, what are the lessons in here for me T to you looking back on these 23 years? Um, maybe a way to ask this is what what's a piece of advice that you would give a younger version of yourself if you had the chance now? Now, having had all this experience, um, I think that uh, you know, when I look back on what would have made us grow faster or um, have a smoother ride. Uh, it, it probably would have been uh, to uh, surround ourselves with people who um, do daily work in helping businesses grow. Um, so whether that's from taking capital from folks like that or creating, um, you know, bringing more formal advisors, um, things like that. Um, you know, we, we did that later stage of our business. And I think that if we had thought bigger earlier um, and sort of capitalized our business in a, in a different way and sort of more formalized the um, you know, executive uh, leaders, mentors that could be part of our uh, creative energy to help realize the, the you know, potential of our creative energy, um, we, we probably would have accelerated the growth of the business at a much faster pace. So for, for people who are sort of, you know, kind of already doing it a little bit and, you know, I'm advising a company that, that actually Superfly is a, we have a kind of a venture part of our business 
and we're um, investors in a company called Lifestyles that is sort of like the data company for experiences and attractions, a UK-based company. And when I first met the CEO, who uh, you know I'm really fond of. Um, you know, I, I, one of the pieces that he was a 20 person company, it was, he had a, a good base client base, but was you know, really trying to figure out what would take it to the next level. And, you know, when we were at that point, we were, you know, sort of not orientated towards taking in uh, professional capital and, and creating a, a professional group of advisors. Um, and that was my sort of biggest recommendation to him was, you know, like you have the opportunity here to really grow a massive business, but if you try and sort of do it by yourself organically, um, you know, chances are that it's going to go very slowly, but if you can network with people, of course, you have to have a personal connection to them. You have to believe they're good people and all that kind of stuff. But if you can do that. Um, and, and make sure that this business has the fuel and has the intellectual brains to sort of realize the vision, um, then, you know, you, you, you shouldn't be too precious with what you have uh, to not, uh, you know, give yourself that kind of, um, you know, firepower to, to build a great business. Um, I would just add, like, for people that are really starting out and that really are questioning, hey, do I want to go on the entrepreneurial journey? Um, you know, one of the things that you know I advise people on there is you really got to be ready for the ups and downs. The entrepreneurial journey is really difficult, and you know most people don't do it. In fact, it's you know probably less than the one percent, right? And so you know you have to really be a balanced person somebody who can take the good with the bad and the ups and downs and, um, you know, be able to um, overcome that kind of stuff because you're going to have usually more failure than success. And I know I still feel that every day, you know, when I have a challenge uh, in business and they, they happen daily, right? It's, it's, it's even a, a amount of success we've had every day I wake up and I'm like, oh man, this is hard. Like, <laughs> oh man. There's a lot I have to do right now, and I don't know how I'm going to get it done, and I don't know if it's going to be successful, and, you know, it's scary and uncomfortable, and, um, you know, all of those things that I felt, you know, probably the whole time, um, you know, that, that like, you, you just have to sort of, you know, one of the things we did really well at Superfly at the beginning was we every we always couched everything as a learning experience. So every failure we thought about of what did we learn from that? Why was what what was the good in having done that thing that didn't work or that was down the wrong path? And I think that kind of mindset is really just imperative to, you know, the, the really startup, you know, entrepreneur throughout the entire career. Yeah, that's great advice. Good to know that it's not just me running my own agency. Because <laughs> <laughs> I feel that every day. I'm like, man. You always get the friends who are like, I, I just want to be an entrepreneur so you know you can sit on a beach and you're like, Yeah, good luck, dude. That's uh that's the very end of the, the whole the whole journey. So that's awesome. I think that's great advice for all of us. Yeah, so I think uh that's a great place to end part one, uh and then tune in and listen to part two.